Stormy Daniels continues to epitomize grace and class as she compares President Trump's genitals to cartoon fungus. CNN dedicates a segment to Donald Trump Jr. I'm not talking about the president's son. And Hillary Clinton says we need to give women accusers the benefit of the doubt. I kid you not. Then the blazes, Stu Bergier drops by to talk about the news and why it matters. Finally, the meaning of life. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Buckle up. We're going below the belt today. It is going to be a saucy, saucy show. So the Brett Kavanaugh update, you know, Brett Kavanaugh, the absolutely unimpeachable, you know, without blemish Supreme Court nominee. So they've made up some crazy stuff about him and they're trying to portray him as a rapist or something. To to catch you up on this, the accusation came from Christine Blasey Ford, who says that 36 years ago, or somewhere thereabouts, when they were drunk teenagers, Kavanaugh tried to get her shirt off at a party. And she doesn't remember where the party was or how it came together or exactly who was there. And she's changed her story since she first mentioned it for the first time ever six years ago, 30 years after it allegedly happened. And uh, the other person who says that she was in the room, or the other person who she says was in the room, calls the accusations absolutely nuts. Uh, Then another person who she says was at the party Uh, A guy named, uh, what's his name? Uh, PJ, Patrick Smith or Smythe. uh, He says that he was not at the party. Um, She then said she would testify before a congressional hearing. And now she says she won't do it. Christine Blasey, more like Christine Blasey Ford, if you ask me, am I right? Because she won't do it. (laughs) She isn't going to show up now. Surprise, surprise. I wonder why. I wonder why. Because the accusation is not credible. Regardless of what happened or didn't happen, it really now looks like nothing like what she's describing happened. Uh, Now, one person uh, came out on Twitter and uh, said that she was there and she knows about this and she was at the high school at the time and that he's guilty as sin. Uh, This this tweet from this person said, I graduate. I graduated from Holton Arms and knew both Brett Kavanaugh and Mark Judge. Christine Blasey Ford was a year or so behind me. I remember her. I signed the letter in support of her. The incident was spoken about for days afterwards in school, Kavanaugh should stop lying, own up to it, and apologize. And then so people, they were running with this. The media were running and tweeting and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then she deleted it. She deleted the tweet. And then, and then we now have the latest from, uh, this is also being reported on Twitter. She said, yeah, I wasn't there. I don't know. Please don't contact me. I don't want to testify. So nobody wants to testify to this because, hmm, wonder why, wonder why. And the Democrats are dragging it out and out and uh, out. So um, before we get into how all the politicals are reacting to this, I just want to show you the degradation of our culture. Here, uh, I want to show you CNN's segment on uh, Donald Trump Jr., as it were. Before we do that, I've got to thank a sponsor. Come on into my boudoir, baby. Let's talk about Purple Mattress. You're seeing variations on a theme today. Purple mattress. Oh, is it good? Purple, you know, so I was sleeping on like a slab of concrete on a, you know, twin extra long. Now I've got my California King purple mattress. It is incredible. Uh, If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, I usually do. And I, you know, I need 17 or 18 hours. Uh, You've got to try a purple mattress. It is categorically different from other mattresses. It's not the springs. It's not the memory foam. It, It is this new material actually developed by a rocket scientist 
and I demand that everything of mine is designed by rocket scientists, like the leftist Jewish Tumblr. I demand only the best. I'm a simple man. I'm satisfied by the best. This is an excellent mattress. It gives you this zero gravity-like feel. It sleeps really cool, so you're not going to get super hot in the night. Uh, you get a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, return it for a full refund, backed by 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free in-home setup, and old mattress removal. What more do you want? You're going to love Purple. Right now, my listeners get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. Purple pillow purchase of a mattress. Uh, that's in addition to a lot of other free gifts that they have on the site. Go to purple.com, use promo code COFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E at checkout. Purple.com, promo code COFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. The only way to get this free purple pillow is to use promo code COFEFE at checkout. Purple.com, promo code COFEFE. Sleep like I do. Enter my boudoir, baby. Purple.com slash COFEFE. The whole culture, we're all just so obsessed with our boudoir these days. And speaking of, a perfect segue, here is CNN. CNN dedicated an entire segment to the most pressing news of the day. She writes that her first sighting of Donald Trump in 2006 in his hotel suite in Lake Tahoe was shocking. Trump came swooping in wearing black silk pajamas and slippers, she writes. What are you doing? I yelled. Go put some effing clothes on. She writes that he changed, and they both joked about his hair. I pointed to his hair. What's going on with this? I know, he said with a smile. It's ridiculous. She says the two talked about family. What would your wife think of you being here with me, Stormy writes. Oh, don't worry about that, he said. It's not a big deal. And anyway, we have separate bedrooms. She writes Trump then brought out a picture of Melania holding their son, Baron, who was just four months old at the time. And when Daniels came out of the bathroom... She claims Trump was lying on the bed in his underwear. They had sex. She then describes his genitalia in great detail. His penis is distinctive in a certain way, she writes. I'm going to cut it there. I'm going to cut it there. I'm going to spare you the rest of this. I don't think I need to subject my audience to the rest of this. This went on for four minutes. That might not sound like a lot when you think about podcasts or whatever, Four minutes is an eternity on cable news. <laughs> you know, I go on Fox and Friends about once a week. It, usually these hits are like two minutes, maybe. You know, if they give you four minutes, that is a lot of time. And they spent four minutes talking about how distinctive it is in a certain way. And Stormy said this and ooh, 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 CNN, facts first. I'm a banana. Yeah, they are. Uh, it's all bananas on CNN. That's all CNN wants to talk about. Remember the apple and banana ad? Lot of bananas. And it is bananas. <laughs> I mean, this is so, the next time that they're lecturing you, well, we need, we have serious journalists. Every journalist at CNN, because uh, there, there are a couple ostensibly not so horrible people there, they should speak out against this. This is disgraceful. I mean, this is so, so disgraceful. Uh, even, I, I get it, if you want to mention the book for some reason, fine. Four minutes on this? Give me a break. Uh, but that's all they're going to talk about now. It's sex, sex, sex. We're going to talk with Stu a little bit later uh, about, about, how the sex is just dominating our political culture. But there, there are incredible ironies now. When it, we're getting back to Kavanaugh, because that's the, that's the major story here. Democrats are coming out in force in total hypocrisy, jumping on this. It is pure hackery. I actually had the privilege of sitting down last night with Hillary Clinton to discuss Brett Kavanaugh. That, that the FBI is not conducting uh, an independent investigation. It's conducting a background investigation. Mm -hmm. And the client, if you will, the requester is the White House. So the precedent that you just uh, referred to is the precedent for 
uh, getting the FBI to uh, conduct an investigation. And that's what the White House should do. Now, you can believe Hillary Clinton here. You actually can, in, in a certain respect. If anybody knows about getting investigated by the FBI, it is that old crooked crone. She has been the object of law enforcement since what, the 80s, the 70s? So we're going we're to be speaking with uh, Ken Starr soon. Uh, I mean, she, back deals in fraud and money laundering, getting, getting uh, hiding documents, stealing federal records. This woman knows what it's like to be the subject of a federal investigation. <laughs> and she's pretty good at avoiding the consequences of that too. But then she gets into the purest hypocrisy of them all. I'm so glad, it was so nice of Hillary Clinton to come on my program last night. Here she is in, in the most stunning sexual hypocrisy of all. That's what the Republicans should be doing right now. From the White House down Pennsylvania Avenue, to the Senate, give the benefit of the doubt to the court and the country. And that means have a, an investigation that will then lead to a hearing that will then lead to a vote if appropriate. So give women accusers the benefit of the doubt. For those of you who are not familiar with Clintonese, they're amazing at manipulating language because they're both very intelligent people, the Clintons, and they're amazing at manipulating language to not just quite get around everything. So she's saying we need to give the benefit of the doubt to the court and the country. What does that mean? If we're going to give the benefit of the doubt to the court, she should talk about how great Citizens United was, right? If we're going to give the benefit of the doubt to the country, she should talk about how great it was that they elected Trump, which is really trying to say without saying is give the benefit of the doubt to women accusers. But she can't quite say that because she smeared and slandered all of the credible accusers against her husband for decades. Jennifer Flowers, Kathleen Willey, Juanita Broderick, who accuses President Trump, President Trump, President Clinton of raping her. We spoke to Juanita Broderick on the show. Uh, she, she smeared them, trailer park trash, drag a $100 bill through a trailer park, and this is what you get. The, the bimbo eruption, she smeared all of them. So what, what we're now being told is that women who have credible accusations made in a timely manner with evidence, with witnesses uh, against a powerful figure, they should not be believed. But a lady who shows up five minutes ago to say that a drunken teenager tried to take her top off 36 years ago, and she has no witnesses and doesn't, can't give any details and won't speak. That woman is to be believed. That's, that, I think that's the, the, it's obviously hypocrisy. It's obvious, obviously pure hackery. Anytime a Democrat does this is pure hackery. The party of Je uh, Jefferson, the party of Thomas Jefferson, poor Sally Hemings, the party of FDR who died in his mistress's arms, the party of JFK, where do I begin? How many, how many interns at once in the Lincoln bedroom? The party of Bill Clinton. Now they're lecturing us on Brett Kavanaugh, a totally unimpeachable character. Are you kidding me? Uh, that's absurd. By the way, I was just naming the Democrat presidents who did this kind of stuff. Let's not even get into the senators and the congressmen, Ted Kennedy. It's crazy. Uh, Joe Biden jumped on the bandwagon too. Joe Biden, former vice president of the United States, he is saying with regard to the Kavanaugh allegations, quote, for a woman to come forward in the glaring lights of focus nationally, You've got to start off with the presumption that at least the essence of what she's talking about is real, whether or not she forgets facts, whether or not it's been made worse or better over time. So presume that the accused is guilty, guilty until proven innocent. That's what Joe Biden is saying. Joe Biden, who I don't know if you've ever Googled Joe Biden women, just go down that rabbit hole on YouTube for a while. <laughs> He's like smelling their hair, you know, get, get away, Uncle Joe. Um, 
guilty until proven innocent. That's what they're saying now. Until it's one of them that's accused. Until it's Keith Ellison. They're not talking about Keith Ellison, are they? A woman credibly accusing him of beating her. They don't talk about Bob Menendez. They don't talk, you know, not, not those guys. It's pure, pure hackery. And uh, we cannot, uh, we cannot tolerate this. We shouldn't. We've got to get to Stu in a second. But we should not tolerate this as Republicans because some conservatives are getting squishy on this. Roth Duthat, who has an interesting perspective. He is a conservative, never Trump conservative at the New York Times. He's saying basically the same thing as Joe Biden. He's saying almost the same thing today, that uh, we should, that it's incumbent on Brett Kavanaugh, unfair as it may be, to prove that he didn't do it. To prove that he wasn't there, or he didn't do it. No, it's not. No, it's not incumbent on him. And it's absurd for, for Republicans and conservatives to try to hem and haw and say, oh, well, I don't know. Well, maybe he should. Who knows? I didn't do it. No. It's a totally ridiculous charge. It's pure hackery. Uh, it, e- even if he did try to uh, get a girl's shirt off 36 years ago, uh, first of all, there should have been some sort of investigation. And the same people who are saying that when you commit a crime as a teenager, it shouldn't be held against you for the rest of your life. If you commit a crime as a 25-year-old, it shouldn't be held against you, a lot of people on the left. Don't allow them to get away with this. And first of all, there's no evidence when it comes to Brett Kavanaugh. Don't allow them to get away with this. It's so important. I think there are some conservatives and Republicans and members of the administration who just want to get rid of him and do someone else. Uh, Ivanka, according to some report, which is probably bogus. But Ivanka Trump is apparently saying that we should, they should can Kavanaugh. There are people who are saying we should, we should cut, cut bait here. Uh, Jeff Flake is saying we need to hear her out. No, we don't. No, we don't. Stop it. If we lose on this, if we allow them to bork Brett Kavanaugh to, to slander this guy who is apparently spotless, we're never going to get another judge through. We can't win anything. Why if we can't get Brett Kavanaugh through, we can't get anything through. I don't, I don't know what we're even running for at this point. It becomes a circus. It is so much more important than they're having us believe. I'll explain that in a second before we do that. You need to, we're talking about how we can thrive, aren't we? And so let's talk about Thrive Market. You know that I love Thrive Market. Check out thrivemarket.com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. I love them because sweet little Elisa's uh, been gone for a few days. She's visiting her family now. And so uh, what can I do? I'm, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm basically living in a gutter at this point. Thankfully, I've got wonderful ingredients from Thrive Market. Uh, they have great stuff. The best-selling non-GMO foods and products, always 25 to 50% below traditional retail prices. So you can afford it, even if you're on my budget, which means I haven't gotten paid by Shapiro in uh, ever. So uh, regardless of your, your values, your dietary restrictions, you'll find paleo, gluten-free, vegan, kosher, ketogenic. I don't even know what that last one is. It sounds good, though. <laughs> You can shop for 90 plus different values. Um, Thrive Market does the homework for you too. So they curate their stuff. You know, you're only getting the best with them. Makes it really easy. If you don't know a lot about nutrition, which I don't, you're going to get, you're going to have it uh, picked out for you. It's really excellent stuff. Uh, High, high quality. I've used them for a long time. More than 70% of the Thrive Market catalog cannot be found on Amazon. So you've got to get it there. It's the largest retailer in the country that sells exclusively non-GMO groceries. It's excellent. Right now, my listeners can get $60 of free organic groceries, plus free shipping and a 30-day trial. I am giving you free food. Do it. Do it. You would be foolish not to. 
Here's how it works. Users will get 20 bucks off their first three orders of $49 or more, plus free shipping. Most shoppers spend more than 49 bucks on the site anyway because there's so much good stuff and you want to get all your good groceries. Do the math. You spend 49 bucks and Thrive automatically gives you back $20, so your total purchase becomes 30. You get this deal three times in a row. 60 bucks of free organic groceries. Go to thrivemarket.com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, to get your instant $60 of free groceries. thrivemarket.com slash Michael. Don't give in on this, Republicans. Give in on the nutrition. Eat healthily and eat good food. But don't give in on Brett Kavanaugh. Where do we go from there? First of all, any guy, any guy who ever is up for any political position is dead. If if an unsubstantiated claim about trying to get a girl's top off 36 years ago with no evidence, no witnesses, even the the witness won't speak or the, the, the accuser won't speak, if that can torpedo your entire career, Every man is finished on both sides of the aisle. It's not just affecting Republicans. Every guy is finished. Probably most women are finished. Who can survive that? You can't give in. What they're, what they're going to try to say is, oh, well, Kavanaugh, he's compromised. Get someone else. Get, you know, get, just go for someone else. Come on. It's not a big deal. We'll get, there are plenty of other good judge candidates. No, 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 no. If it weren't a big deal, they wouldn't be pushing so hard at this. Don't let them get away with this. It is immoral to let them get away with this. Do not let them uh, do it. And, uh, all right. We, that, that's my important message to all conservatives and Republicans. We've got to talk about all the important news, though, like gay Muppets and <laughs> the ban of memes throughout Europe. And for that, we bring on Stu Bergier, who is on uh, the Glenn Beck program. He's on uh, the News and Why It Matters. And they're, uh, the Glenn Beck guys are hanging around the studio this week. And I love Stu. He's got a great perspective. So let's bring him in. Stu. Ah, thanks for having me, man. So, Quite an honor. Quite an so, honor. Well, you know, you were just around here. You figured, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, I've got five minutes free. All right, right. I'll go do Noel's show. That's fine. <laughs> because I was on your show yesterday. Yeah, yeah. The News and Why It Matters. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was a, a ton of fun yesterday. Yeah. And especially in this news cycle, I'm actually beginning to question the premise of your show. Yeah. Which is that the news matters. <laughs> yeah. I don't really... Uh, yeah. I'm not convinced at all. We've got 35-year-old accusations. We've got the president's Mario Kart. We've got, I, don't, I don't need any of that. It's disturbing. It's very disturbing. The news and why it's disturbing is the, the new, new title. <laughs> the news no. and why you should pay attention to something else. <laughs> yeah. Because there are other very important news stories today. Yes. I would say mm-hmm. after the Mario Kart and after the, the most important news stories are Bert and Ernie, the mm-hmm. well-known Sesame Street puppets, there's mm-hmm. a big debate on between different writers and creators of them as to whether or not they're gay. <laughs> Coincidentally, I don't know mm. why this is, but in my notes for our interview, whoever taped this put a gay pride sticker on there. So we have their vote. Are Bert and Ernie gay? <laughs> uh, Bert and Ernie, um, you know, they're a wonderful team. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've provided us so much uh, happiness for so long. Uh, I don't think they're gay. And here's my um, premise for this. Okay. Um, the guy who created them said they're not gay. And is that all the, the evidence the, you have? I, I, well, no, I can keep. I can go deeper. Okay, um, they're made of felt. <laughs> okay, uh, most gay people are not made of felt. Now, That's I don't true. want to overgeneralize, right? Or beads, or it's something, <laughs> right? Something <laughs> shiny, right? Felt isn't shiny at That's all. True. Um, puppets don't usually have any genitals. 
Mm. Um, so it's difficult for them to engage in any sexual you know, activity. No, I don't know. Whatsoever. I've never taken clothing off of a puppet. Are you some kind of brick Kavanaugh over uh, here that uh, you're <laughs> checking out puppets? There was an incident at a party. Uh -huh. uh, I don't want to go too deep ago, into it. During uh, the Lincoln administration. Yep. Uh -huh. uh, Miss Piggy was involved. Uh, it was not pretty. Uh, but yeah, that's an interesting thing is that we have to come up now with sexuality for puppets. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, for the guy, I was, it was actually kind of sad. The guy who, uh, who kind of brought this to everybody's attention, he said that he was a writer, I guess, for many years. Yeah. Uh, for Bert and Ernie, which I thought they came up with all their own material, and I'm a little frustrated about I know, that. it's awful. They have a whole staff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this guy was Mark Saltzman, I think. Mark Saltzman. Yeah. And he said uh, he always considered them gay, and he wrote them as if they were gay. Um, and he modeled them after his own relationship, and he's gay. Mm. Um, but I thought that was really sad because Bert and Ernie sleep in separate beds. <laughs> Is this guy, what? what's happening at the house? I'm like, into I, it. I, I think he's got the right idea. Yeah. I want to stretch out. I don't need somebody rolling over onto me. And I, separate beds is fine. Separate California kings, I, I'm into Yes, it. well, that's the problem. I think they had twins. <laughs> oh, and you, 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 like, you're an adult. Yeah. I, I, you know, I know you're on a kid's show. Mm -hmm. I believe Bert and Ernie were full, full grown. Mm -hmm. I don't believe they're right. ever getting any taller. Uh, so I, you know, I think the, the twin bed thing was a little rough. It, it's just, a, it's just like, I, I, we can't, you know, Glenn's book, he's out here to promote his book and addicted right. to outrage. And it's like, this is the typical thing, the typical nonsense we mm -hmm. have to get excited about every day. And it's, you know, on that point, because I, I got the book yesterday, mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying it so far. This is uh, okay. people might have seen. Glenn Beck was out. We were smoking cigars. He was puffing out of a bong yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but there is this constant need to politicize everything, to be outraged at everything. And when it comes to Bert and Ernie being gay, of course, the the reasonable person would just say, like, "Are you kidding me?" But but there is a question too, culturally, why does every friendship? have to be gay now. Like, you know, when guys are buddies, they're like, oh man, I, that was really fun last night. No homo. You say no, right or no, I'm no, we're not gay. And you just, you actually, I mean, I get it can be funny or whatever. It is weird that Bert and Ernie lived together for so long. Yeah. But it, what happened to friendship? Like, can't people just be, guys be platonic friends and not everything be very sexual? I think I got a limit say yes. I think they can be platonic friends. I feel like I have several. Now, I, they may make a move on me at any time. That's so true. You maybe, might make a move on them. Maybe, I don't know. Who right. knows? Maybe we're Two drinks and a wink away from making any kind of decision. <laughs> you, you never know. know. Uh, and it's like, I don't know. Like, I... I can understand, like, there's part of me that understands this, right? Like, if, you, if you've been around for a long time and, and, and you're gay and you feel like you haven't been accepted, you're looking maybe for cultural things that you can kind of attach yourself to. But you don't get to force the creative abilities of, of the people who created these things. I mean, you know, the, the, you know Frank Oz, is, he came up with this. And he, he has an opinion about who these people are. They're good friends. You know, it was at a time in which we didn't try to force sexuality into kids' shows. Mm -hmm. Ch children's programming wasn't the target for uh, gay or straight uh, sexuality. That wasn't a great place for it. And I feel like, in reality, everybody knows this, right? Right. But, like, we have to wake up every day. And to find our reason to get through the day, to give ourselves a little bit of energy, a little bit of juice, to make our lives have a little meaning, we got to get something to get pissed off about. And, I, you know, that's nonsense. It doesn't make me happy. Right. Uh, I don't know anybody it does make happy in the long term, uh, long run. And I, I would rather go back to a time in which, you know, I have kids. I have two small kids, uh, five and seven. And they're in, even though they, I don't think they watch, I don't think I've ever seen them watch Sesame Street. But like, you They know, watch the Michael Knowles show, but they don't watch yeah, it. Yeah, we just put Knowles on repeat all day. <laughs> Um, but uh, and they learn a lot. They learn a lot. They're getting. They're, they're saying interesting the Where, words. Where'd you learn that? Yeah, no, exactly. I, I gotta destroy the television. I think. Uh, but you know, it's it's. I'd rather have them 
that's something you want to teach your kids. You want to walk through that journey with them. You don't need that taught to them by Sesame yeah. Street. Uh, all, you know, if they're going to be taught by a puppet, um, I, I'd rather have control of what the puppet says, mm-hmm. you know? That's and, right. And there is this part of outrage culture, which is, why are we always outraged over these sex things, the Stormy Daniels yeah. and whatever? I think in part, it's not because we've suddenly discovered sex. You know, people have known about sex for yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's such a basic and fundamental passion yeah. that we just focus on it to the exclusion of other things because we're not capable of thinking of other things. All people want to talk about in politics is gay marriage, gay sex, abortion, Roe versus Wade, this, that, and it's all yeah. uh, Donald Trump's flings with porn stores. It's all uh, sex, sex, sex all the time. I think it might have to do with people not reading books or not having yeah. other interests or yeah. not maintaining other sorts of relationships. Right. I mean, like, it, it's uh, it's hard to get people's attention, right? You go into this, uh, books are long. They're hard. They've got words. They're all over the place. There's almost no pictures in many of them. Oh, it's no. Not, yeah, it's don't terrible. Don't tell me that no, Glenn's book true. doesn't have any pictures. Oh, you yet. don't want to see the pictures in Glenn's book. You, know, you never <laughs> want to see pictures of Glenn. That's a rule I always live by. Um, but yeah, it's true. It, it actually takes time. And I think this happens so much in politics, right? Like where, you know, you can go through, how, I mean, how many times did you go, we went deep into, you know, under the Obamacare bill, mm-hmm. you're going deep into all these like really in-depth, you know, pieces of, of legislation that they're passing. And you get about halfway through some of these sentences and you you feel like you, you look up and like just everyone's like dazed, they're, about, they're on their phones, they've, they've gone to, you know, they're playing, you know, Candy Crush, whatever they're doing. <laughs> Um, and sex can easily redirect that mm-hmm. conversation. I mean, you know, the Kavanaugh thing, like, they tried. They tried going down the road of, uh, well, he's, uh, you know, what did they try? They tried he's abortion. Partisan, they tried birth, birth yeah, control. Overturn that, right. Yeah, right, like, they went through all, no one was trying, const- and they weren't saying, hey, this guy doesn't know the Constitution. They weren't saying, hey, this guy's not qualified. They were like, hey, you know, 36 years ago, this guy may have done something at a party, which we don't know when it was or where it was or, you know, who was there. Why? And she you know, doesn't right. really remember it. Yeah, she doesn't really remember it. And it's I like, don't know. get rid of him. And, and it, because that was the only thing that could get anyone's attention. If you're talking about the things a Supreme Court justice should actually be judged on, you get no audience. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating. You know, I mean, right. I, I this happens way too much and it happens on both sides at some level. But the media in, in particular, like they will take every Donald Trump tweet and try to make the biggest thing in the world out of it. And it's like, you know, what is he doing? Like, they, they, they'll make this big thing about how he's so easy on Russia, right? right. Um, you know, ignore his tweets. Ignore what he says. Just ignore look at the actions of his, his administration. Actions. He's been tough on Russia. Mm-hmm. Sanctions all over the place. Much like, tougher than Barack Obama. Much tougher than Barack Obama. And, you know, there's no recognition of that mm-hmm. in the media, or at least it's very rare. And I think it's because, well, a tweet is like the ultimate journalist lazy tool. Right. Like think about like journalism 20 years ago, you'd have to go to a place and you have to find people who are there and you'd have to ask them questions and they'd blather on about nothing for a while. And then at the very end, they may say something that you have to pull out for TV. Now go to Twitter, search key terms, find someone who says they were there, put it on the screen. Your quote's done. You didn't have to walk out of the room. That's right. And I feel like that's that now we're to the point where even when something the presidency of the United States or any cultural issue that just go on and they'll find a few tweets to support their case. And Mm -hmm. and that's it. It's it's honestly just lazy, but it, it, it reinforces you know, that addiction that we were talking about. People are just bouncing back and forth looking for that. Because outrage is lazy. Anybody can yeah. do it. Anybody can pretend to do it. And how dare you? How, d- how, how dare I'm you? Sorry, I'm offending all of the outraged <laughs> Americans. And, and there, I, I noticed this on Twitter. I, I, I can, I'm perfectly happy going hard, fighting for your team, fighting for your guys, not letting them railroad Kavanaugh, yeah. you know, being a pugilist, punching back <laughs> twice as hard. I'm all into that. Mm-hmm. But 
one should have some perspective, right? I always find on Twitter, if I'm genuinely getting angry, you have to get off Twitter. Yeah. You have to shut it down. Yep. Nothing good will come of that. But that seems like it's the whole media cycle now. It's all of the, uh, certainly on the left, it's true on the right as well. Uh, and so if, if our, now if our news cycle has become outrage and tweets and memes, I want to focus on those last two parts, the mm-hmm. tweets and the memes and the internet of it all. Mm-hmm. In the European Union right now, they are debating the important issues. Not Russia encroaching <laughs> on their borders, not the Islamic invasion, or the, the 65 terrorist attacks in the last four years. Oh, None of that. No, that's not No, true. no. They're going to ban memes. They're going to ban internet memes. <laughs> this is a real thing. They're debating Article Amazing. 13 mm-hmm. to censor internet memes. What is this about? Well, I mean, they say it's about copyright, mm-hmm. right? And because, uh, you know, uh, if you have an, uh, a meme of The Office, well, then The Office really owns that still shot that you're posting mm-hmm. and putting print on. I mean, but that seems to be just a scam, right? Like, you know, first of all, I think we've learned over the years that trying to censor content on the internet does not go well. Right. Um, you know, you lose control of your industry quite quickly when you do that. Um, but... Uh, it, this seems to have more of a political motive, motive right? Like, the, you know, they've seen the effectiveness of this stuff. It does, it does move people. And in a way, I think going back to the previous conversation, it's sad, right? Like, you shouldn't yeah. be moved politically by a meme. Um, but I think... I don't know, but have you seen, like, really, really, really good memes? Well, when they're really, know, like, really good, yeah, then I'm in. You know. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's kind of ridiculous, right? You should be moved by a book. You should be moved by a Supreme Court argument. You should not be moved by a picture from Parks and Rec. Well, what, about, what about the one of the guy with the girl, and he's looking at the one girl, but he's holding the hand of the... I mean, I don't know, that's very convincing. <laughs> oh, that's an exception. That's you bring true. up the one yeah, exception. Exactly. Yes, that is... Hard that, cases make bad law. I feel like our new constitution should just be that picture. And we should just play like, freedom on one side <laughs> yeah, and communism yeah. on the Tyranny. other. And that's just the whole thing. Maybe someone would read it then. It would be interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that like they've seen the success of this and how they can get people to you know move uh, really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times to ideas that weren't really considered, uh, you know, kind of in the Overton window of politics before. Right. Uh, and uh, that scares an organization like the EU, which I would argue should ban itself and just go away. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It, of course. Right. You know, like that. That would be my uh, idea. But it's like. They want to make sure that they have that control. They, they you know, these things that come up, they're going to try to push them down, however they can. You know that the closer they are to control over these arguments, the better and more secure they feel. And I think it's connected to the outrage. I think the the two yeah. are because where the memes come from. The reason I, I really defend the memes, I don't know, but I mean, especially the one with the guy and the girl. Yeah, you. well, that one, of course. especially that one, <laughs> is because they're funny and they they yeah. take on political issues with humor. They might be shallow, they might be. Uh, partial, but they are funny. And the reason that they're allowed to be funny, the reason that the right is able to take a hold of humor is because the left is so angry and shrieking and pink hat. No, you know, because they're doing that right now, because they are living in such a fantasy, uh, we're allowed to make fun of them. And it it works. It's really funny. And so I, I see this move by the EU, which is the archetypal tyrannical, you know, <laughs> oh, like uh, octopus body as, as a representative of the left, which is trying to censor all of that, censor that humor, shut it down, shut down Twitter accounts, shut down conservative speakers on campuses. Uh, I don't think that works for them in the long run. I don't think that censorship is a winning platform. 
It never is. I mean, you know, look at Mubarak. You know, he sh shuts down the entire internet, and uh, you know, he's now no longer there. Right? I mean, <laughs> it's a polite way to put it. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's one way. <laughs> um, but it's true. I mean, I think like trying to shut people away from ideas draws them to them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I think it's it's more it, it, in the long run, it gets you to a better place if people are debating these things uh, in a, in a, in a you know in a way that ha creates more depth. But you have to get people in the door. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, we did this going back, you know, you know, I'm on the Glenn Beck program as well. And it's like, we you know, this is kind of the philosophy of the show from its very beginning, which was the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. Mm -hmm. and it's like you go in there and like you're going to grab the people at some level with you know, being silly and, and having fun with these things. Yeah. But like I, I would imagine a lot of people came to real uh, political positions and understanding of, of our foundational principles that started with memes. You yeah, know, if right. you're 15 years old, you're not going to go freaking read the Constitution. You're not going to care what Ben Franklin was yapping about. But if you you, know, you get a meme and it's funny and then you kind of brings you to, you know, a story and then it brings you to, uh, you know, something where they link into to something with a little bit more depth. And Pretty soon you're reading Edmund Burke. Yeah, exactly. You're right yeah. there. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, I do think that that's a process that actually happens now. I have this uh, tendency to when these new things, you know, like when, t when Twitter starts, it's like to me, it's just like, why, why you want to do 140 characters? This seems ridiculous. I liked, this is silly. I mean, at the beginning, when blogging started like yeah. that was it was something that you kind of would like mock and like it's the same thing with talk radio I right. mean the, the mainstream media looked at that and said that's stupid but over time these things turn into something real it really moves people it can really in, uh, engage people and then that's positive as long as you take that extra step afterwards where yeah. you actually learn what the foundation is and you know hanging out with you guys the last few days obviously we've known each other yeah. longer than this week uh, but it's been so fun I yeah. mean it's really, really fun, fun going on the show I always I always forget how funny Glenn is too because I think of Glenn as this kind of serious guy like really really funny yeah uh, so where because you're you're everywhere you're on the news and why it matters you're on the Glenn Beck program mm -hmm. where can people find you all over the blaze where, where what is the easiest way yeah Tell people go here now uh, well I would definitely if on Twitter since we're there at world of stew would be a great place to go follow uh, you know obviously Facebook and everything else but the blaze yeah news and why it matters uh, Glenn Beck program every day and uh, Wonderful World of Stu is another show there's a lot of stuff out there that I think you'd like on that as well so check it out alright Stu thanks for being here man thanks I appreciate it it was awesome thanks good to see you thanks a lot that guy is so smart He's, that's, that's, he really really tells me how to understand all these really confusing news cycles so um, right now we've got a lot more to talk about I've got to talk about Cory Booker I've got to talk about the absurd mainstream media profile of him now and why he's not going to win the presidency. I'm sorry. It's it's he's he might be a nice guy, but he's not going to win. Uh, we'll explain that. We'll explain also the meaning of life, all of that and more. But if you want to get that, you've got to go to dailywire.com. If you're on Facebook and YouTube, congratulations, you haven't been kicked off yet. Uh, go to dailywire.com. It's ten bucks a month, one hundred dollars for an annual membership. If you're already there, thank you. You help keep the lights on. What will you get? You'll get me, the Andrew Clayman Show, the Ben Shapiro Show, the questions of the mailbag, blah 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 blah. This is what you need. This is what you need, the leftist tears tumbler. Because once we get Kavanaugh through, so long as those squishy little Republicans don't go soft on me, once we get Kavanaugh through, this is, mm, this is, I can already smell the brew. It's young. It's not ripe yet. You know, it's not quite ready, but it, it tastes like overturning Roe v. Wade. It tastes like defending our constitution and the original meaning of, of that document, which protects our freedom. It tastes so good. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with so much more.
when I wake up in the morning, you know, so we're usually about 12.15, 12.30, you know, supposed to be at the Daily Wire probably 10 minutes earlier. When I wake up, one of the first things I like to do is read a lefty puff piece. I find they, because they, then I start laughing in the day. I start, I start my day with some joy. I know Mark Wahlberg likes to start his day working out and praying. That's one way to do it. I like to read lefty puff pieces on New York Magazine, the Daily Beast, Vox.com. So there's a new one out today on Cory Booker. And this made me realize that Cory Booker will never, ever be the president of the United States. Here's the piece. Uh, there are a couple points I want you to notice here. I want you to notice, one, the difference between how the left, how, how the left-wing media, which is to say the mainstream media, how the media treat Democrat politicians and how they treat Donald Trump and Republicans. The title is, Can I Get a Hug? Cory Booker's got a lot to give, a lot of love to give, and he's betting that's what it will take to win in 2020. Donald Trump had a lot of love to give too, according to Stormy Daniels. You don't see those fluffy titles for him though, do you? So I want you to notice that. I want you to notice the treatment. And then I also want you to notice what a horrible candidate Cory Booker is. So so here's just the first paragraph of the piece. Anyone who thinks it's nothing but teeth grinding, paranoia, and rank misery in Washington these days hasn't been to the office of New Jersey Senator Cory Booker. These people are happy Indeed, his staff are some of the cheeriest, nicest people you could ever hope to meet. When I arrive on a hot, swampy morning just before Labor Day weekend, I'm greeted with hugs and candy. An exuberant woman in a dashiki sits at reception. What's a dashiki? We'll get to that later. Kristen Lynch, the communications director, greets me. Okay, hugs me, and takes me to Booker's office, where we say hello to his chief of staff, Matt Clapper, who also hugs me. Booker has not hugged me yet, but give him time. A young staffer comes in and hands Booker a brown paper bag and tells him she managed to score the last three in the cafeteria. From the look of joy on his face, I imagine a bag of cheeseburgers. But alas, it's just celery and carrot sticks in plastic deli containers. Booker is a vegan. He opens one up and munches on a carrot. (laughs) Munches on a carrot. I am going to hold my tongue. Hold my tongue, Michael. That's what I'm going to do. So (laughs) where to begin? Where to begin on the hugs and the love and the dashikis? So uh, they're painting this picture of him as this wonderful guy because there is a portion of the Democrats who want him to be the nominee especially in New York and New Jersey, where Cory Booker is from. And they're angling for Cory Booker to be, be the nominee. You remember six years ago, he was defending Mitt Romney, and he was the moderate, normal guy. Cory Booker's a very intelligent man, by the way. Uh, and, and so what Cory did then was he was trying to be the moderate guy. And then he, re- he realized that that wasn't the ticket because his party has completely gone off the rails. So now he's the crying guy with tears of rage and, oh, I love you, and, right? And he thinks that's going to help him. It's not going to help him. Moreover, though, I I want you to realize how totally isolated the left-wing media has become. The elitist left-wing Democrat base has become because they actually think, the the New York Magazine, they genuinely think that eating celery and carrot sticks is likable. I think Cory Booker thinks that, that being a vegan makes you likable. You're such a good person. Because now in many ways, in a left wing that has become post-Christian, that has become materialist in a certain way, they've adopted other religious values like um, veganism or yoga, to borrow Matt Walsh's observation, or this or that. You've got to serve somebody. So even if you're pretending to not worship God or not be a Christian or whatever, you're going to worship somebody. You're going to worship 
humanity. You're going to worship animals. You're going to worship the environment. You're going to, you're going to worship somebody. And that's what they think is going to play. This does not play. Look at who we just elected. We elected Donald Trump. We elected a guy who takes photos in private jets, thumbs up while he's chowing down on KFC and slurping Diet Coke. This is not going to play, but to them it does because they don't know anybody who eats KFC. They don't know anybody who does this. They, I mean, the, the effete holes that these people come from, I, I've seen it. I mean, I've, I've lived in coastal places. I've gone to elite institutions and they really believe this. They say, oh, you know, I, mm, I just had my celery sticks. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, I just love hummus. Like, hum- I, mean, I like hummus as much as the next guy, but oh, yes. Ooh. They would never consider eating like a pudding cup, you know? <laughs> they would never, they, that does not play uh, at all. And they're making another big mistake, not just on the style that they're choosing, but thinking that the election is going to be about style and not policy. This is from later in the article. Robbie Mook, who was a Clinton aide, uh, Robbie, uh, the direct quote, Robbie Mook, who managed Clinton's 2016 campaign, cautions against reading the upcoming campaign as a battle over policy issues. So what he, what he thinks, what the left believes is that this is really going to be just about style. That's why Cory Booker is pretending to cry and fight tears of rage and hold these weepy little press conferences. One, he thinks that style is going to work because his party is very feminized and all the men are these little soy boys. It doesn't work. Nobody wants a man to behave like a woman. They might say that they do. They might pretend that they do. They don't. It doesn't look good. We just elected Donald Trump, who is slightly more knuckle-dragging than Attila the Hun in his public statements. And people like that. They actually want that. There There might be other ways to do it, but they want a man to show strength. And weeping and crying at press conferences with Liz Warren ain't going to do that. But to Robbie Mook's point, to the Democrats' point, that this is going to be about style and not policy, I think he's misreading the country. I think they're totally misreading the country because they've drawn the wrong conclusions from Trump's election. I hear this all the time from my lefty friends, New York friends. They say Donald Trump was elected uh, in because of his worst stylistic instincts, because of his worst statements, because he's bad, bad, bad. That is, uh, is not true. That's what they, they might conclude that, but that's not true from the Trump voters I know. For the Trump voters that I talk to, and from uh, uh, Ann Coulter wrote a great book about this. We're going to be talking with Ann Coulter soon. Donald Trump was elected for policy purposes. He was. He was. He was elected for the judges. He was elected for immigration. He was elected for tax cuts. Here's, here's a little bit of evidence for this, by the way. Donald Trump, For uh, people say he has no ideological moorings. He has no beliefs. He has no policy preferences. I don't think that's true. Donald Trump presented a legitimately unique uh, policy platform in 2016. He was talking about some of the dangers of free trade. No Republican was doing that. He was talking about immigration in a very blunt way because it's, it's very fashionable for Republicans to say, oh, we really have to do something about immigration and then give everybody amnesty and keep the flood, floods coming in. And Trump said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to give anybody amnesty and we're going to deport illegal aliens. That was different. People were not saying that before Trump. He was offering a different policy platform and he was elected for that platform. Everybody that I talk to, I talk to a lot of people, I travel around the country, they're saying, oh, that Trump, he's really got to lay off those tweets, but you know, I like what he's doing. That's what it's about. And it's going to be about that. And the Democrats, are they've whipped themselves up into the fantasy of what this election has become, what the 2016 election has become in their meta-narrative, in their, in their historical fiction. It's not going to serve them well. If, this is about policy, and it's going to be about an honest debate. And, it, it, you know, one of 
the great characteristics of Donald Trump is people view him as a blunt talker. That he is, uh, he's, he doesn't BS. He tells you what he's thinking. He's, and he's kept his promises. He's one of the few politicians we've seen who's actually managed to keep his promises in office. That's why we're all so shocked at him. I think that's what it's going to be about. Um, before we, oh, I've got to go. This is really rough because there's so much more to talk about. I've got to talk about James O'Keefe and the deep state. I've got to talk about the novel solution to Venezuelan economic crises and starvation. But we've got to just skip ahead to the meaning of life. I promised you that we'd talk about the meaning of life at the uh, Emmys, which you didn't watch. I know for a fact you didn't watch them. Some lady who I don't know was wearing a Nike designed outfit on the red carpet because she was going to tell her message. And she sums up a lot of what the left and maybe even parts of the center are thinking right now in America. And and I want to show the conclusions of her thoughts and the errors of her thoughts. Here she is. Look at you, sporty spike. Thank you, baby. Why are you wearing Nike? I am wearing Nike to applaud them for supporting Colin Kaepernick and his protest against racial injustice and police brutality. Is this custom Nike? Absolutely. Absolutely, honey. I have some drag queens come over and put some beads on it. Some sparkle. You know how they roll. They roll good. Yes, Cake Moss and DJ Pierce Changela. Yes. So when did you decide to do this? Uh, You know, I was actually swimming the other day. And I was like, what can I do? What can I do that's meaningful? I'll wear Nike. I'll wear Nike. That is the left. They're they're in their swimming pool. They're like sipping on their chi-chi or something. And they say, what can I do? What can I do that's meaningful? I'll wear Nike. That's what they're thinking. They've got existential dread. They feel meaninglessness in their lives because the worldview that they have adopted and adopted militantly deprives their lives of meaning. And they say, what can I do? What can I do? I'll wear Nike. They end up with these absurd, ridiculous ways to try to give some meaning to their lives. Also, regardless of their absurd politics. This does remind me why I like some showbiz people. Is it's just, they're so wacky. They're just, they're just like, and then the drag queens came over and they put beads on my, yeah. You know, there's just this kind of <laughs> innocent, sweet thing. She, I, I don't know. She doesn't seem like a political philosopher exactly. So perhaps she can be forgiven some of her, uh, her political ignorance. But th- that really highlights everything. You know, uh, the hosts at the Emmys, uh, the SNL guys, one of the jokes was, they said, you know, white people never thank Jesus. They never thank God in their acceptance speeches. The only white people who thank God in their acceptance speeches are Republicans and ex-crackheads. And this got a ton of outrage. Everyone was so upset. Show me the lie. Show me the lie. Show me the white person who thanks God in his acceptance speech who isn't a Republican or an ex-crackhead. I can't find one. I don't know. Where, where is he? Uh, this gets to a real point about the modern left, which is that they've deprived themselves of meaning. They boo God at their national convention. They remove God from their platform. They try to remove God from their platform. They don't have a meaning on, on top of their lives, so they have to find it in ridiculous places. They're looking for love in all the wrong places. That's the problem. If you want the cure to outrage, First of all, take a look at the man in the mirror, because you might be complaining about everyone else on Twitter being outraged. But take a look at the man in the mirror, especially if you're on the left these days. But also then look up. You know, look up. The people who I know, we were at that backstage 
uh, yesterday with Glenn and Ben and Drew and, and Jeremy and everybody. And we were all kind of laughing about politics and having a good time. And it occurred to me, all of us believe in God. All of us have, we have, I think every one of us has different religious views, but we all have a religious grounding in God, in a theistic vision. Uh, look at that. Look at, if you make an idol out of politics, you're going to be really, really miserable and you're going to make yourself look ridiculous and you're going to wear a Nike shirt to the Emmy Awards and that's not going to age very well. Don't do that. That isn't, that shouldn't be your God. There is, there is something more. And if you look up, you're, you're going to have a better time in politics and you're going to make yourself look less absurd. Okay. That's the show. I know we're running late. Too bad. I don't care. Uh, we've got a lot more. Get your mailbag questions in. We're going to do that tomorrow. We've got some great interviews coming up. People that I'm talking to, I don't know, maybe Ken Starr. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a lot of people coming up. Uh, so tune back in. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Villarreal. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer, Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.